The views expressed on Geeks and Beats are those of the participants alone and do not necessarily reflect the views of their employers. You sexist son of a bitch. How is that? Well, you know, last week we were talking about the big Star Wars movie coming out and you pointed out that while the boys go see Star Wars, that the chick flick was that new Tina Fey movie and Leanne L. Nicky tweeted in saying, did I just hear Geeks and Beats suggest women will go see a chick buddy comedy while the guys see Star Wars, because that would be so sexist. <laughs> well, I think what we intimated was that the non-geeks would go see the Tina Fey movie and the geeks would go see the Star Wars movie. I don't think we... No, 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 no. No, you've got it all wrong because there, every single woman out there is just as interested in seeing the new Star Wars movie <laughs> as every single guy out there. I, 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 see, a, I see a flaw in some reasoning here. I, I don't... I, I don't. <laughs> well, hang on. I, I am clean in all of this, because you may recall we started last week's episode by pointing out that I was teaching my eight-year-old daughter some lightsaber moves, and then later on tweeting to us, Obuzwan tweeted in a photo of her minivan with a, a Rebel Alliance logo on the back of the thing. So clearly both the women who listen to this show <laughs> both of them. think you are a sexist pig. <laughs> Me! <laughs> yeah, both of them. <laughs> uh, listen, if you're a woman and you want to go see the Star Wars movie, listen, that is highly erotic to a lot of geeks. Jeez, oh, dude. From the headquarters of Geeks and Beats magazine, now with 1.2 billion subscribers on iTunes and GeoCities, this is the world's most popular podcast with Alan Cross and Michael Hainsworth, featuring musical guest Sting. Kiss brings back the pinball machine, and yes, Gene Simmons' tongue factors heavily in the uh, ball play. 1986, the worst year for pop music according to science, and we'll look at why the British invasion can't hold a candle to the hip-hop revolution. Keurig admits the DRM on its K-Cups was really a bad idea, uh, not unlike the K-Cups themselves. Plus, we're giving away a Roku 3. We'll tell you how you could win this sweet piece of kit that kicks the butt of your Apple TV. And Apple Watch Erotica, Alan reads a passage. And now, Alan Cross. Michael Hainsworth. Yeah. Speaking of um, things that are uh, geeky, uh, I was supposed to have gone to see Rush in Tulsa this past weekend. Yes. As they kick off their last ever major tour. Um, here's what happened: is I was at Canadian Music Week on Wednesday, and I began to feel unwell. On Thursday, I began to feel extraordinarily unwell to the point where I had sweats and I was very, very afraid of passing out whilst in the lounge at the airport on the other side of American security. And uh, the pain got worse and worse and worse. And I thought, I can't go. I do not want to be a guest of the American medical establishment. So I had to go to a walking clinic. But I had a very nice doctor there. And I described my symptoms to her. And she says, oh, you have kidney stones. You've hit that age, have you? I perhaps have. So, um, although I must say that since about midday Friday, I have had not uh, any symptoms whatsoever, although I did have an ultrasound and an x-ray uh, on Saturday. I'm waiting for the diagnosis, which should come uh, Wednesday or Thursday. Here's hoping it's not lupus. <laughs> <laughs>
Kiss is bringing back the pinball machine. About bloody time. Now, uh, I used to work in a ice cream shop come pool hall come pinball place back in the day. And I became quite the pinball wizard. I was very, very good. And one of the machines that uh, I became rather proficient on was the original KISS pinball machine circa 1978, 1979. Uh, Pinball, of course, went the way of the dinosaur when the stand-up video games came along. Everybody wanted to play Pac-Man and Berserk and Galaga and everything else. Did you just say Galaga? Uh, What do you call it? It's Galaga. Okay, Galaga. Yeah, we got to revoke your nerd credentials, my Uh, friend. Well, I was never very good at it, so I didn't... Okay, whatever. Um, so now they're bringing it back. And, and Kiss, of course, who has their name on over 5,000 different uh, pieces of swag. My favorite Kiss merchandise, Kiss branded coffins. Okay. They also have Kiss branded condoms. When I brought this up to Gene Simmons, he says, yep, we get you coming and going. Oh, jeez, That's Gene. But they have uh, brought back, uh, using, with, with, with the help of the Stern Pinball Company of, uh, of Chicago, I believe they're from Chicago, uh, have created the, the, a, a brand new KISS pinball machine. Actually, there are three versions of the pinball machine. There's a basic, a, a super basic, and then the deluxe one. Uh, and they look great. Um, you get to shoot the ball into Jeem's mouth. Of course you do. Take that wherever you want to go. Uh, And uh, I mean, very, 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 very cool. Uh, Unfortunately, they're they're not cheap. Let's see here. I'm just going to call up the price list here. Oh, and they the actually the the, the machine sings uh, 10 Kiss songs. Deuce Harder Than Hell, Lick It Up, Love Gun, Love It Loud, Black Diamond, Detroit Rexy, and so on. So we've got three here, the limited edition, the premium, and the pro. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are American prices. Uh, the pro model sells for 6000 The premium model is 7600 and the limited edition model is 8800 Stern Pinball's been making a comeback with these branded machines specifically because in 1999, with the pinball industry basically dead, they... St- Focus on gambling devices, one-armed bandits, and they basically gave up. My mom knows all about Stern uh, slot machines. Right. But the history goes all the way back to the, to the mid-40s or so uh, with a company called Williams Electronics. And after Chicago Coin folded in 1977, they bought it, and Stern Electronics became the video game or the, the pinball machine game business as we know it today. Yeah, there used to be Bali. Bali was really, really big. And then the other one was... Your favorite, all-time favorite video game was a Stern Electronics game. Which, Berserk? Berserk! Really? Yes. Oh, isn't that interesting? 1980. Yeah, that's about right. They've got a whole bunch of branded ones like the Lord of the Rings, Ripley, believe it or not. The Simpsons Pinball Party was one that they put out in 2003. They've got, uh, based upon all four movies, the Indiana Jones one. That one I think would be cool. The one I've always wanted. Roger Daltrey plays uh, Kings and Queens in the movie version of Tommy from 1975. It's a mechanical one. It doesn't have all the bells and whistles that, uh, well, it has bells and whistles, but not the electronic bells and whistles that the 
the modern machines have. But I would like to have that a uh, I would like to have that in my house one day. In 1975, when Kings and Queens was featured in Tommy, it had already been 10 years old at that point. And I, I had an interesting conversation about the economics of pinball uh, with a, an economist, as a matter of fact, and, and why the whole pinball industry died out. And that was because of the advent of video games, which were far more able to adapt and adjust to whatever was going on with the player. As the player got better, the machine could get harder. Whereas with pinball, you just hoped that you uh, didn't lose your ball. And the longer you played, the longer you played. There was no way to get you off the machine so that somebody else could pump a new quarter in if you were really good. Whereas in the video game universe, the better you got, the harder it got. And therefore, they could get more quarters out of the public than a pinball machine. That's absolutely true, because when I was at my peak of pinball uh, uh, brilliance, uh, I could make 25 cents last half an hour easily. Right. And there is no way you would make 25 cents last more than 10 minutes in a video arcade. Oh, no way. Not a chance. I don't care how many levels you got through. No way. Although that's not true, because I did have a friend that got uh, up to 256 levels in Pac-Man once. Really? Yeah, he actually, he, that's the magic uh, level, because after 256, you break the game. Right. And it, it freaks out. So he actually, I, I saw him freak out again. The last level on Pac-Man, when you hit the 256, the screen splits. And if I understand correctly, that was largely because of a problem with the memory control of it. Something like that. At the, like, you, it, it just... Had, it, it rolled over the number, and 256 was a, a placeholder in the memory of the thing, and there's no such thing as 257, so when the counter rolled over, it would roll over to zero and break everything. I saw Kings and Queens once, and it was in a roadside diner um, gas station somewhere in rural Manitoba, and it was in the back, unplugged, with a whole bunch of stuff stacked on top of it, and I thought, oh, man, if I was only 16, I could maybe get a car and drive this thing home. I talked to a company that makes 21st century pinball machines down at the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas this past January, and they still make them, and the way they make them modern is they're connected to the cloud. No, how? And the way it works is twofold. For the user, for the game player, you can play against other people around the world for the titles because you've got the high score that was previously only limited to that arcade, but now it's tied to everybody around the world. Or if you bought one machine and your buddy bought a machine as well, you could play against each other over the internet. And the other side of it is because it's still largely analog, it's physical components in it. When the physical components break, that machine for an arcade is useless until a guy shows up right the machines are designed now so that when they break they automatically send out an sos to the company so that they can dispatch someone down to immediately fix it okay i believe that because whenever we had a machine go down in the pinball place uh we'd have to call the guy and it may be two or three days before he came out to fix the thing and that's two or three days of lost revenue and we, we only had six machines. Not as much lost revenue if we had a guy like you in front of it playing for a quarter at 30 minutes a pop. Yeah, that's, that's, that's true. Own one of the craptastic mugs of the world's most popular podcast and support the show. You too can use the power of science to hold liquids, both hot or cold. Visit geeksandbeats.com today. 
Apparently, science proves that pop music was at its worst in 1986. I believe it. I lived through it at the time. I Wait a minute. Lionel Richie, Mr. Mister, Robert Palmer, Duran Duran. Okay, the top three. Wait, wait a minute. I might, I might be proving my <laughs> story. I think you, I think you are. Let's look at the top songs on the Billboard 100 of that year. Mm-hmm. That's what Friends Are For from Dion Warwick and Friends at number oh, one. Oh God. Say You Say Me from Lionel Richie at number two. Climax and I Miss You at number three. On My Own from Patti LaBelle and Michael McDonald at number four. Broken Wings from Mr. Mister at number five. Clocking in at number six. Party All the Time from Eddie Murphy. Do I need to go on? <laughs> It was a terrible year, and I'll tell you why. Because I was working in radio in 1986. I was working at an adult contemporary radio station in Winnipeg that specialized in playing the most mainstream pop dreck of the day. Mm-hmm. So there was lots of Whitney Houston, lots of Lionel Richie, uh, Peter Cetera. That was an oh, oh from Chicago. Yeah. It was just terrible. And if we, you know, if things really started to rock, we were playing, you know, something from Huey Lewis in the news. It was terrible. Um, and and science is now. I, I, I've I've finally been vindicated in my belief that pop music, and we're talking only pop music, not rock, not alternative, nothing else, but pop music was at its absolute nadir in that year. A new study has gone through 17,000 songs and discovered that there was a low point in creativity and a high point in boredom with 1986 because at that point, too many people were using drum machines. Too many people were using synthesizers, specifically uh, synthesizers from Yamaha, the DX7, and from Roland, uh, which led to far too many similar sounding songs. And pop music was at its peak in 1986. And I just read you a list of all the horrible songs that were, were out that year. That whole scientific analysis of the music industry since the 1950s onward had one very interesting element to it, and we talked about this on geeksandbeats.com, is the introduction of hip-hop in 1991 revealed that hip-hop was a bigger revolution in music than the Beatles. Guys, grab a girl, don't wait, make a twirl. It's your world and I'm just a squirrel. Trying to get a nut to move your butt to the dance floor. So yo, what's up? Hands in the air, come on, say yeah. Everybody over here, everybody over there. The crowd is live, and I will do this too. Party people in the house, move. Yeah, I have a hard time believing that. Let's let's look at a lot of hip hop. Hip hop was born out of deconstructing and then reconstructing older tunes. Right, a lot of beats, a lot of bass lines, and all that sort of stuff. And listen, there is no doubt that after 1991, and bands like N.W.A. began began to have number one albums on on the Billboard charts, there is no doubt that hip hop had a massive effect going forward on on pop music. But to say that that changed, well, see, I guess what they were looking at was uh, uh, the the degree in which song structure and chord changes changed versus what had come before. But at the same time, how can anybody who has ever listened to any kind of music since 1960 
not believe that the Beatles changed everything. Geeks and Beats writer Shane Alexander points out that, uh, quote, the single most important event that has shaped the musical structure of the American charts in the period we studied was specifically rap. The flip side of the coin, he says, is that the British invasion had been following existing trends in music. So it was an evolution of music that led to the Beatles, not a revolution. Yeah, I don't know about that because before the Beatles came along, a lot of artists, the majority of artists, sang songs written for them by someone else. Right. The Beatles came along and they sang the songs that they wrote. Bob Dylan came along and sang the songs that he wrote. This had begun with people like Buddy Holly and a few others in the 50s. But the Beatles, with their fresh and innovative approach to guitar combos, was Okay, it was a it it was built on the things that had come before. But it, to say that the evolution of music brought on by the Beatles was less than that of brought on by hip hop is, is is crazy to me. Another uh, look at science in its approach to the world of music. Crack.com had this uh, collection, The Five Weirdest Ways the Music Can Mess with the Human Brain. But the only one that particularly interested me was its ability to change your perception of time and that retailers use this as a means of ensuring that you continue to buy a product. Even if you have to stand in line for a certain length of time, you're distracted because the music in the background keeps your brain thinking about things other than, do I really need this Garfield alarm clock? Absolutely. Have you been into a Hollister? No, I have not. Have you seen the way I dress? Uh, yeah, that's true. And you're... Okay, neither one of us are good. good yeah, Hollister's a real bad example. Yeah, that's about, okay. Um, no, this is, this is true. I mean, you want to have... Uh, you know, music is a part of the environment uh, when it comes to shopping and eating, and there are ways to manipulate consumer behavior by manipulating the music that you play. And this is why so many stores have music playing. The mind apparently switches back and forth between perception of the music and the concentration on a challenging task, such as standing in line or picking something uh, off a store shelf. And as a result, it forms separate events or distinct memories. So when your brain thinks about what you've been doing for the past hour, you remember those events and you recall the hour as long when it actually wasn't. And the interesting thing, too, is that it works the opposite way. If you're wearing headphones while you're at work working away, your perception of time uh, speeds up. Because why do people listen to music at work? Because it helps them pass the time and get their mind off what they're doing. The uh, article goes on to point out that when we hear the opening chords of a song, our brain remembers the whole thing and then immediately skips ahead and plays the song mentally. And because of that, it works on the same parts of the brain that actual music does. So the effect is that you take a few moments to vividly imagine you're sitting through five minutes when in fact it's only 10 seconds. Oh, that's how it works. Right. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Because music and our memories are live in two different parts of our brain. So what we actually have to do is load the musical memory into our conscious memory before we can actually enjoy the music or whatever. That's interesting. Okay, well, I would, I'm going to explore this a little further. I like it. It also explains why this 43-minute podcast feels like it's taken forever. <laughs> we need more music on this program. London, Bangkok, New York, Cincinnati. From the worldwide headquarters of Geeks and Beats magazine, this is a GNB News Update. 
the Patreon systems working well for us here as the world's worst intern program. And what makes it the world's worst intern program is that uh, to be an intern on the show, you have to pay us. You pay us a dollar. You don't actually do anything, just like a real intern. Uh, and we get to pocket the change, put that money back into the show. Mark Bradley, Joe Pro, Stephen King, Scott Coates, Stefan Dubois, Ian Long are just among the uh, dozens now that we have who are regular contributors to the big show. So are you telling me that we're making $215.59 per episode now? Seems to be pretty much that. And the neat thing, too, is that if you do donate to the show uh, a dollar, you can say, I'm only willing to donate, you know, $4 in total. And after that fourth episode, it stops digging you on your credit card. So it's a great way to contribute to the show in any manner that you feel. And what we've been doing and we are about to do again is we are going to raffle off another fantastic gadget and the only way you can win it is if you are a member of the world's worst intern program all you have to do is give us one buck but all it takes is one dollar to get on the list and then you get entered into the raffle uh, for this next big fabulous gadget you know what it is uh, it is a good one it, it, it is a cool thing to have yes it is a roku 3 mm-hmm 2,000 channels, including, of course, your standard Netflix, HBO Go, PBS, Crackle, Pandora, all that. But the one thing that I didn't know that the new Roku 3 does is it's got voice search. What? Yes. You just say it, and it'll find what it is you're looking for. No kidding. Yep. Do you need a smart TV or anything like that for it, or just plug it into the machine? You just well, this this becomes your smart TV. It's oh. a, it's a little tiny um, box that you plug into your HDMI. It comes with its own remote, and you just talk into the remote. That's interesting because we are talking into our devices more and more these days. So I'm just looking at this up. Roku three. One of the neat things too with that new remote is you don't need to use it. You can use your smartphone or your tablet if you want, but the remote has a headphone jack now. Okay. So you can actually privately listen to whatever it is without worrying about your spouse being kept awake because you're hooked on Archer. <laughs> or in my case, my wife and the Property Brothers. Oh, I, you know what? There was a rumor going around that one of them was gay. I don't care. I hate them both. Oh, really? Yes, I, do. I love these guys. And so because the rumor hit this, the street that one of them was gay and they were twins, I was trying to figure out which one was gay <laughs> just based on looking at a guy. And I couldn't figure it out. And so I went on the Intertron and it turns out neither of them are gay. <sighs> So well, clearly the Gator thing is irrelevant well, in this case. Well, yeah, or yours is broken, badly broken. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. So uh, bottom line here. The Roku 3 streaming player. Yeah. You know, it looks really good. Um, do you have one of these things yet? I've got an Apple TV, I have to say. Okay. Now, here, here's the problem. Okay. Now, maybe we should be going to the Roku because uh, a new Apple TV release is imminent. New hardware. And I have the original Apple TV as well as the smaller one, mm -hmm. and they're going to stop supporting my my other Apple TV, so it's going to be a hunk of junk. Yep. Um, my current Apple TV is going to be useless because they're going to update it with uh, you know new memory and new processors and a whole bunch of other things. The existing Apple TV is basically an iPhone. Yep. Without the phone. Yeah. That the that's the the internal guts. The Roku three retails for a hundred dollars. Now what we've done in past giveaways, uh, raffles as it were, because we certainly don't want to get into legal hot water over this, no. is um, if you um, donate one dollar, that's one ticket. If you donate ten dollars, that's ten tickets. If you donate one hundred dollars, that's one hundred tickets. And the last thing we gave away was five hundred bucks. Somebody dropped a hundred bucks on the on the show. Sure enough, it turned out to be the winner. So, in other words, we're trying to soak you for more cash. Well, yeah, I suppose. I, I, 
a raffle. I mean, this is kind of like a church raffle, right? Nobody's going to come after us, are they? No one's coming after us. I'm, I'm just being silly because we're just going to plow it back into the show. Yeah, anyway. well, we are. That's it. I mean, none of us, have, neither of us have taken any money out of the show. It's all been uh, for infrastructure and equipment and licensing and... And an Apple Watch. Did you get your Apple Watch? Your no, you know, here's the problem is uh, you put uh, that money into my account, my, my PayPal account, and I'm still uh, about $150 short. Oh, okay. So, so I'm going to have to wait until I have some money put in there. And, you know, I had a, I was going to buy my new um, Apple MacBook. You haven't bought that yet? I haven't bought it yet because uh, I was, some people were late in paying me. Hmm. So, uh, and then I had a huge income tax bill. Me, I, I paid for my Apple Watch with my tax thing, which as the business guy, you think I would have plowed it right back into my RRSP or TFSA, but no, I bought an Apple Watch. Why would you do that? It's no fun. So again, if you want to uh, win this Roku 3, by all means, go to geeksandbeats.com or go to patreon.com slash geeksandbeats. Uh, donate even just a single buck to the big show. Uh, we'll appreciate it. It'll help keep the show running. And you could win this fabulous piece of swag. Geeks and Beats update on something we were talking about uh, recently as well. Keurig. Remember, we were talking about how the, the coffee pods have digital rights management built into them so that you couldn't use third party oh, that, uh, little K cups in the 2.0 version of Keurig? Well, things have changed, my friend. Really? It's the opposite now. Keurig saw their quarterly profit fall through the floor. And the CEO blamed the DRM that they put on their new unit and folks like you and me saying, whatever you do, don't buy a Keurig because they won't let you use the cheaper K-cups. This sort of thing happened with inkjet printers had the special chips in them that could sense whether or not they were empty and whether or not they were plugged into an approved device. There was a time where you couldn't use refilled inkjet cartridges. Oh, on mine, you still can't. Really? But now with this new Keurig, not only um, is Keurig recognizing that they screwed up, uh, they saw a 23% decline in Keurig brewer sales. The CEO said, quote, we were wrong. They will now release a little gadget that disables the copy protection on it that allows you to use these generic cups again. Mm -hmm. Well, that's like I go to Think Refill at the end of my street. And I get my inkjet cartridges filled and they have a little um, chip on them now, mm -hmm. which allows me to use them. And um, they're just like the real thing. Geeks and Beats update on my Apple Watch and my hunt for a new car. You suggest maybe I ought to just buy a Volkswagen and call it a day. Um, yeah, I mean, anything German or Japanese is good in my opinion. And you would appreciate uh, some of the Volkswagen stuff that's coming out because there is now an interface for the Apple Watch. What does it accomplish? What does it do? Uh, well, it allows you to lock and unlock your doors. It uh, allows you to open and close windows in the sunroof. Uh, it provides a map of the vehicle's current park location, which is very handy at a shopping mall. It can set off a minor alarm when you can't find your car. Um, <laughs> that would be helpful. It can also, for example, if you lend it to your daughter when she finally starts to drive, mm -hmm. you can track speed. You can see where the car has been if she goes outside the boundaries that uh, you have set for her. Really? Uh, so you can monitor your child's driving habits. Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah. So this is available now on a 2014 or later Beetle, uh, CC, EOS, Jetta, Passat, or Tiguan. Um, a 2015 Golf, Golf GTI, Golf R, Golf Sport Wagon, and e-Golf models. Um, and Porsche has, which is owned by Volkswagen, also has, I think there's three models 
the Cayenne, the Macan, and another one that also has something similar in it. So we're going to be seeing more of this connected car to your watch thing. I was at a, a really good panel at Canadian Music Week that was all about the connected car. It was absolutely fascinating. We talked about what was coming in the, in the future. And one guy said, and this is related, and it's related to Apple. He says that Apple doesn't want to build a car. Apple wants to build a dashboard, an entire dashboard mm. that they would then sell to automobile manufacturers, which I think is a really interesting idea. Downside to using your Apple Watch as the uh, key to unlock your car, I'm finding this thing really slow. When I pull up an app, it takes forever for that app to show up. So long sometimes that the screen timeout kicks in before it's finished loading the app. And when the screen timeout kicks in, it stops loading the app. Mm. You got you to sit there wiggling your wrist back and forth to prevent the thing from shutting itself off. Okay, so so what app is uh, giving you, what apps are giving you the problem? Every single app. Every single one, eh? Every single app takes seconds. And it sounds silly to complain that it's seconds, but if it's nine seconds, that's an awful long time to be holding your wrist up to your face to look at it. And then to have after the, you know, ninth second, the thing turn itself off. Uh, I can't wait for Apple Watch 1.1 OS because this is sluggish as all get out. You think it's the OS or you think it's the processor? It's probably both, but you could probably tweak the OS. Um, I got to tell you, they, 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 can't update this watch soon enough for me well uh if i put my order in tomorrow i will get it in july so maybe by then cut the cord and go to geeksandbeats.com anytime you'll get the latest episode and links to the stories the boys are talking about geeksandbeats.com also available on a track and cassette All right. I am convinced that this 3D printer technology is ridiculous. The only way people tell me that I... Uh, the, the big feature on 3D printers that has ever been pitched to me is, oh, you can make dollhouse furniture for your little girl. I'm going to drop $3,000 on a 3D printer? Well, apparently, cosmetics giant L'Oreal is taking this to a whole different level. What are they doing? 3D printed human skin. Okay. Well, wait a second. I can no, no, no. I can see that working. And are they talking about for for makeup and cosmetic applications, or for things like burn victims? We're talking about burn victims, human cells uh, on the three D ink, organo, organ, organovo, or organovo. I don't, I, I don't know. I think it's organovo, kind of like Lenovo, but for your organs. Okay. Um, a beauty company like L'Oreal apparently has an interest in this, according to KPBS.org. The new product testing uh, proposed by the company consists of real human cells assembled by machine into three-dimensional tissue. L'Oreal would use it as an anti-wrinkle test. Oh, okay. Well, I could do without that, but... Have you looked at the mirror lately? Well, I'd listen. There's no hope. There's no hope. <laughs> or Organovo. Yeah, it must be Organovo. Yeah. Can better mimic the complexity of human skin. See, I have some stock in 3D Systems, which is a 3D printing company. Oh, yes. DDD in New York has been under tremendous pressure lately. Yes, I, I, I know. Thank you for, for pointing that out. Uh, I'm in it for the long run. I'm very long on uh, 3D printing as a, as a technology, and I can see it working. It's just that uh, the cost of the technology has to come down, and we have to use it for more things than building dollhouse furniture you're going to need to use it to build your portfolio the stock's down 53 percent over the course of the last year my friend thank you i know (laughs) 
the, the layering of different types of skin tissue, um, it would actually help mimic the complexity of actual human skin, according to this report that uh, the PBS uh, affiliates working on here. And so this is a, a very significant partnership with L'Oreal, and it's their first attempt to get into the cosmetics business. They got more attention recently for working on a 3D liver. See, that would be brilliant. I had to sign my liver donor card or my organ donor card for my new driver's license the other day. And I thought, there's got to be an easier way than, you know, asking me for my, you know, old and busted organs. So this would be really kind of cool. And look at this, kidney cells. They're looking at kidney cells for drug testing. Maybe that will help people like me with my stupid kidney stone issues. (laughs) Yes, maybe you can get a new kidney that doesn't have any stones. Print me up one. Print you up one. Have you seen how slow it takes a regular 3D printer to print a dollhouse piece of furniture? Yeah, I know. I got time. I I was at a, uh, there's a speaker manufacturer in Pickering, and they have a 3D printer uh, in their their lab, and they use it for printing up uh, prototypes. It's pretty cool. It takes forever, but it's pretty cool. I don't think you want an Organovo um, 3D printed liver, because the human liver cells that they use are taken from surgical waste, biopsy leftovers and donated livers that are not suitable for transplant. Proof of concept, prototype. Yes, liver 1.0. Yeah, exactly. It's like your your, your Apple Watch. Exactly. Never buy version 1.0 of anything. <laughs> Meantime, someone who probably could have used a 3D printed everything, including a nose, Michael Jackson. Yeah, so here is a supercut. I will post this online if you ah, if you want to hear the whole thing. Yes. It is every single Michael Jackson grunt, groan, squeak, and... Hee-hee. Basically, it's all the singing ed- edited out and nothing but the other vocalizations. It's the creepiest version of isolated audio tracks we've ever encountered on this show. It, it really is creepy. It really is creepy. I mean, you listen to this and is it a wild animal? Is it some sort of weird sicko serial killer? I, I don't know. So let's 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 have a short listen to this and you can figure out uh, you know, you know what you want to do? You want to have this playing on a boombox on your porch at Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, you don't, because you could have the cops knocking on your door. My favorite part of this entire soundtrack that we're listening to now is actually the comment section on YouTube that follows it. Awkward renegade should have lowered the volume. Cops are now knocking on my door. Skyfer, it's like watching porn with no visual. My favorite, though, who is Michael Jackson and what did he do? Yeah, it's uh, it's this is a fascinating recording. The things that the internet washes up on our shores is just fascinating. You, you think this is creepy? If you listen to it through to the end, all three minutes and forty six seconds of it, and four hundred and fifty thousand people have already. The very <laughs> next track is the exact same video, but slowed down. Oh no, I I didn't make it all the way through. What? You didn't listen to the whole thing? I couldn't. I got about a minute in and was like, yeah, I gotta no. How much weight would you lose if you followed the proclaimer's advice? Well, this is interesting. I would walk 500 miles, and I'd walk 500 more. Uh, a guy actually did this 
<laughs> Did he really? Yeah, a guy from Scotland. Uh, he decided that he was going to do something for charity. He was going to do on a, go on a charity walk. Uh, he walked 500 miles, and uh, he lost uh, 112 pounds, one-third of his body weight. And what he plans to do is uh, do it again, because he's going to walk 500 miles more. And uh, we'll see exactly what he, he... I mean, he looks like a pretty fit guy. I mean, this is Scotland, right? So it's, it's, it's pints of lager and deep-fried everything. So um, walking 500 miles probably was the right thing for his health. He apparently had walked 350 miles since beginning the challenge March 1st and plans to chalk up the magical 1,000 by September. And he has already lost, as you point out, 24 stone. He's also changed his uh, diet. I mean, he used to have, you know, four sandwiches with a bunch of potato chips and biscuits for lunch. He would have a, a, a ready meal for two for dinner which would often be pizza or curry, and then he would snack on all kinds of uh, crap during the day. Now he has cereal for breakfast, he has a salad or sandwich with fruit for lunch, he has chicken or pasta for dinner, and all his snacks are fruit. So there's there's a dual thing here. He's not only exercising, but he's also eating properly. You can exercise all you want. If your diet doesn't change, there's no point in going to the gym. He's raising money for this as well, and the plan is to raise about three million pounds for a community center uh, to make that all happen uh, so that other kids don't actually have to walk 500 straight miles and fall down at your door. Well, here's the thing, uh, Scotland. Stop deep frying everything. You'll be much better off. You don't have to walk. Just start eating some fruit. Wasn't this the uh, the birthplace of the deep-fried Mars bar? Yes, absolutely. And haggis and all other kinds of horrible things. I mean, there are a couple of good restaurants in, in, in Scotland. But if you just, you know, do a regular kind of pub meal, I mean, it's, it's, it's bleak. It's really bleak. FXCuisine.com has the Scottish deep-fried candy bar uh, how-to. Uh, it reads, the golden rule of the Scottish diet is that fat, sugar, and alcohol should each count for at least 30% of your daily caloric intake. <laughs> exactly, yeah. You may eat one serving of fruit per week, preferably as a jam or a preserve. <laughs> yeah, see? <laughs> there you go. Now, Gordon Ramsay is, is, is Scottish. Oh, does that explain his temper? Might. That guy's got a foul mouth. He does. Right here, chef. Thank you very much. Not a problem, chef. Yeah. Off you, you fat, useless sack of f***ing Yankee danky doodle sh**. Off, will you please, yeah? He he understands that uh, Scotland is not where you open up a fine restaurant. All right, let's come full circle back to my Apple Watch. If we must, this is your suggested topic. Yes, somebody has actually written some erotic fiction based on the Apple Watch. It is called Invaded by the iWatch, written by a Canadian named Leonard Delaney. He is apparently a Canadian erotica master. Uh, it's a 4,000-word story about a young woman named Christy who walks out her front door one day, and she finds this iWatch sitting there. She puts it on, and a sexual encounter ensues. Okay, so uh, Gizmodo.com has offered a uh, sample passage. We can't read any of this. Oh, no, we can read it. Um, Go. Okay, hang on. The iWatch guided her left hand to glab her forming into a duck head again. Her fingertips sucked at the tip of her occasionally flicking at it with the middle finger like it was a little duck tongue. Really? You want me to keep going? Oh, the, uh, I... Yes, please. No, no. <laughs> Stop it. You're weirding me out. Uh, you know what? The vibration feature on the Apple Watch is not sufficient enough 
to allow me to suspend my disbelief. Oh, God. They call it the taptic touch for a reason. It's gentle. It's just a tap, tap, tap. Although, if you're using it for turn-by-turn -turn navigation and you want to make a right turn, it's quite a pulse. Uh, oh, it does? Does it? I thought... Sorry, so, you, so what you're saying is that... Uh, I'm sorry, did, did I throw no, you sorry, off I'm there? Just scrolling through the rest of the story here. Um, yes, if, you, if you're using your Apple Watch for turn-by-turn -turn navigation and you've got a left turn coming up, it goes tap, tap, tap. But if you want to make a right, if you need to make a right turn, it goes tap, 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 tap. Oh, okay, because I was under, under the impression that that didn't happen. No, it's, it's, it's great because it means that you don't have to look at the watch face to know which direction to turn because it's giving you the gentle tap. Okay. Not unlike Leonard Delaney's Canadian erotica. All right. Well, you know, it's good to see that an author is making, he's making about a thousand bucks a month on this stuff. You missed the first line on that sample passage, by the way. Oh, oh yeah, she cried. Give me a Steve job. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> oh wow! I can't believe we made it to the end of the show. Oh, just, it's time. Just let's let's call, let's let's. Golly, it's it's such a shame that you couldn't drink through this episode. <sighs> I know. I think my kidney stones are back. Catch all new episodes of Geeks and Beats Wednesdays on iTunes. And watch for Geeks and Beats magazine on a newsstand near you. To be part of next week's show, call area code 323-319-NERD. Follow the stories on Twitter or Facebook. And get your dose of Geeks and Beats anytime at geeksandbeats.com. The Geeks and Beats podcast would like to thank the National Science Foundation.